telling me to switch it up right like right in the middle of it while we uh, actually going live what's up guys welcome to the very first segment of the glass house i am your host nikaya bagley and i'm just gonna jump right into it and what we're laughing and talking about right now is i had a whole show planned out for you guys that was like pre-recorded and everything before today and um I decided to switch it at the last minute. So today is Monday, April 23rd um, at 12, 10 p.m. actually. And I am uh, doing a different uh, segment for you guys to be the first segment. Um, As we know, April is Child Abuse Awareness Month. And I have been uh, addressing child sexual abuse um, on my page. And um, I released the story of what happened uh, in my family uh, as far as uh, my boys being molested. And I was going to do, you know, I was going to tell the story and do the talking points. I had it all, you know, (laughs) everything all recorded and planned out. And then I was convicted. Um, I was convicted last night, again this morning, and again uh, later on this morning as I was studying. And so, you know, every eight minutes a child is sexually abused. So this, this podcast, this segment, uh, on my podcast is 60 minutes long. So within the 60 minutes, we're looking at eight kids, uh, who will be sexually abused by the time this podcast is over. So with that being said, you know, rather than me going back through what happened, um, I would rather spend the 60 minutes on, uh, the, on the solution, you know, I, I would rather spend it on letting the parents know, uh, how I got to where I am, um, right now. Um, and I want to address this specifically to a certain group of parents and just to tell a little bit for you guys who are just now joining and haven't been following me for a while, um, or you're, you're new to my podcast, you're new to my page. Um, I have two, I have three boys all together, all together, but, um, to just give you a brief summary really quick, um, on June 27th of last year, um, I walked in on my middle son molesting my youngest son. Um, and after that happened, I learned that my middle son had also been molested, uh, as well. So I was convicted because I was going to tell that story again. And then I started thinking, you know, I, 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 that I'm not telling the solution. I can tell what happened over and over again, but I want to, uh, educate you guys and make you understand how you get to the point where you actually heal. And, um, so as I'm studying this morning, um, I hear my pastor, (laughs) I hear my pastor say, um, this morning, uh, as I'm listening to her, she's like, sometimes we can be petty (laughs) because we'll let God let us see our enemies become our footstool. And then we'd be like, you know, I told you not to mess with me. And that's me. (laughs) That's me. Petty Betty sometimes, you know, and so we have this whole plan on how we want to do things. And that is not the way that God wants to do it. You know how he wants it set up. The problem with being petty and childish after, you know, you have went through something or survived something um, is that when you start doing that, you lose the whole purpose. Like nothing is within his alignment anymore. And, um, you know, and so I just have to be honest. And as I'm coming to you, even right now, I have to be very honest and open with you and let you know that I am broken, you know, like I am completely broken right now and I'm healing. Um, 
And I didn't want to wait until after I was healed to have this conversation because I wanted parents to see that one, it's okay to be broken. It's just not okay to stay there. And, and two, I wanted to be completely honest and, and, and vulnerable with you guys so you guys could understand, you know, what happened and how I got to where I am right now in my healing process and, and just, you know, be able to show you that, you know, and sometimes people need to see God's work through other people, you know, and we have to uh, behave accordingly in, in order for, you know, his work to show. And so, again, I'm convicted of that. And, you know, there's responsibility that comes with surviving. And I understand that I can't be who I was before any of this happened in order for me to do what it is that uh, that I need to do. And sometimes we get comfortable being a victim. You know, we get comfortable in that spot because, you know, everybody understands and then you feel like you won. But then, you know, now what? You know, now what, what are you going to do with it? So, you know, I, I just want to be responsible and, and go from there. So I decided to come outside of my comfort zone. Um, again, because I am definitely outside of my comfort zone right now. Um, but I decided, you know, let me really, really step outside of my comfort zone with you guys and get really uncomfortable because I think more than anything, sometimes it's, it's easy to relate when we're victims, you know, it's easy to be like, you know, Oh, I understand. Oh, you know, everybody understands. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But, you know, I also have to I wanted to look at the other side of it. And I really believe that God put me on both sides when it came to my children, because I could relate to both sets of parents. Like, so not only have both of my children been molested, but one of my sons molested my other son. So, you know, I wanted to tap into that part because sometimes when you're the parent whose child has molested someone else, you know, you live and are covered in just denial and shame and guilt. Um, and you don't know what to do. And so I say, you know, let's switch this thing up today because I want the parents who are just like me, you know, whose child has molested someone else. I want you to understand why it's important. Uh, and what steps I took, uh, in order to tell and, um, in order to get it out. So I just want to be open and honest with you guys and, and, and tap into that part. So we understand how to move forward. So most parents don't tell because somehow we feel that it's somehow our fault. So let me just say this to you. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. Let me say that again. It's not your fault. I don't care if you're the parent of a child who has been molested or if you're the parent of a child who has chosen to molest someone else. Not your fault. Not your fault. I don't care if you were at work. I don't care if you were at the club. I don't care if you had to work two jobs and your oldest child was watching your youngest child. I don't care if you were at the neighbor's house. I don't care if you were sleep all the time. I don't care. I don't care what it is. I don't care what the scenario is on either sides of the fence. It is not your fault. You, you know, what we have to do is when it does happen, we have to be responsible, you know, as adults um, and, and handle it the right way. And so because, you know, I am in my brokenness right now, um, I just want to say that 
that made me desperate for God. I don't know if that makes sense. Like me being so broken and walking in on, cause I walked in on my son molesting my other son. It wasn't like somebody told me or I heard it from somebody. Like I walked in and saw it. And so, you know, I just, you know, think about that for a second. You know, that that's a, that's a hell of a sleeping pill every night, you know? And it, I almost found comfort in knowing that my middle son had been molested because then it almost made it easier, if that makes sense, um, for me to accept. Easier for me to, oh, it had to be a reason. But then when, you know, it, it's not a reason. It's not a reason. It's not an excuse, you know, and I think we have to get to the point. So if you're the parent who has a child who has molested someone else, you have to get to the point where, yes, you're going to hurt because you're the mom or you're the father or you're the parents. You're going to hurt, but we have to be responsible adults. And I honestly feel like God placed this in my lap because when my, when I caught my two son, when I caught my son, when I caught my middle son, molested my, my youngest son. That day in the house, there was no one else there. It was just me and the two boys, no one else. So I could have easily covered it up. It could have, I could have swept it under the rug. No one had to know. It could have just been our little secret, right? But we know secrets have expiration dates and they come out in different ways. So I wanted to come to you guys and I wanted to have, you know, some talking points that I wanted to hit on and, um, and show you guys exactly, you know, certain things like, why did I call the police? You know, what happened after I caught my son molesting my other son? How did I move forward from that point? Where are we now? You know, if you're the parent who's in that situation, what can you do? Um, so that's where I'm at right now. And um, I want this to be all God and none of me. And I know that I am broken. And so I would just ask that you know, first, let me just let me just open this up with prayer, because, see, I need it to be all of God and none of me. And. And I can't do any of this, like none of this is going to happen without him. And so I just want to say, Heavenly Father, I come to you humbled, asking that you take over this podcast so that it may be used for your glory and not mine. Take over my mind, take over my mouth so that there is none of me and all of you. Use my brokenness so that the parents in this situation can see that you stand on your promise and find reassurance that their prayers will not come back void. It won't come back void. I know you're praying. I know you're, you know, you're hurting. You don't know where to go from here. Everything is so confusing right now. You don't know. If you're coming or going, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't talk, you can't think. I understand exactly where you are. So I submit to you, Father. I submit to you so that you may use me for your good and not for my revenge or my selfishness or my ego. There is so much pain. I know it is. I know there is so much pain. I can feel it. And without you, we are angry. We are bitter. We are shame. We're guilty. We feel depressed. We feel suicidal. We're just broken. 
But with you, I know we are made strong, we are fearless, we are made whole, and we are healed. And I know that because I go through this process every day. Every day you heal me more and more. Every day is better than the next day. Every moment is better than the next moment. Every minute is better than the next minute. I have more good days than I have bad days from when this finally happened. And maybe you want to use me as your vessel to show these parents that it does get better. There is healing on the other side. There is life after molestation. So dear God, I ask you to take over because I am nothing and I can do absolutely nothing without you. So use me as you see fit and I will be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus name. Amen and amen. So let's just jump right into this. I'm sorry I get emotional when I pray. Um, so let's just jump right into this. So um, what happened after I caught Patrick? So I walked in the room and I caught Patrick and immediately I grabbed Alex, who was the victim. And so I grabbed Alex um, so I could assure him that he did nothing wrong. You know, it was important to and it's important if you're a parent like me who is in the exact same situation where one child has molested the other child. I'm going to say to you, it is very important that you make the victim feel safe. It is important. It's important. That is so important. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know they're both your children. I know, but this is, it is important because see what you're going to do is if you don't do anything and you make the, and you make the victim feel like this is not that serious, then you're victimizing them over and over again. So you want to be mindful how you handle the situation. So the very first thing I did was I grabbed Alex and I told him immediately that it was not his fault. This is not your fault. This is not your fault. This is not your fault. I hugged him. I reassured him that this was not his fault. And then immediately I went to the kitchen. I grabbed the telephone and I called the police. Let me stop right there. And I just... Hope you guys allow me to take my time as I walk through this because I want to be very clear about certain things, you know, so we understand why did I call the police? Okay. I want everyone to understand that this is a crime. It is not optional to call the police. I think we live in a society now where molestation and rape has become so common in our households and in our communities. And what has become more common is covering it up, covering it up and not telling, thinking that, you know, we can somehow make this go away. If we keep the kids apart, if we pretend that it never happened, if we chop it up to, oh, kids explore one another, if we, you know, anything but calling the police. And when you do that, you victimize the victim over and over again. Had I not say I was in a position to where me and the boys are in the house, right? So I think about it right now. Like if I wouldn't have done that and I would have covered it up, where would that have left Alex? Where would that have left? Let's, let's go outside of my house for a moment. Where would that have left my neighbors? Where would that have left 
kids in the future who live next door, other people's children, other people's, you know, not only do you have to be responsible for what goes on in your house, but you also have a responsibility to the community and to other parents with children. You have a responsibility to protect all children, not just your child. And I say that to you confidently because I am in your shoes. I am right where you are. I was there. I was you trying to figure out, you know, what do I do at this moment? But that little voice, you know, in the inside of you, you know, this is where your character and your integrity kicks in. I know you said, Nakaya, that sounds so easy. And I promise you, I know it's not. I know it's not. And it's not, it's, it's not easy to, you know, feel like you're turning your child in. But you have to look at it like you're not turning your child in. You have to, you have to see this for what it is. You are helping them. You are helping them. So one, it's a crime. It's not optional to call the police. Two, the victim deserves to be protected. They deserve to be protected. Three, you don't know how many other children your child has hurt. I know that's, you know, a hard thing to think about. But here's the thing. If your child has done this to one person, chances are, if it's that they have done it to someone else. Okay. Keeping it a secret helps no one. Helps absolutely no one in the family, no one in the family, no one in the community. It doesn't help the child. It doesn't help the victim. And you as the parent are going to feel guilty. You are going to feel guilty. You are going to be uneasy. You're never going to, you're never going to be at peace. You're never mentally going to be at peace because you know what's going on. So you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. And I feel like, you know, in the beginning, because I'm going to tell you, like, I'll, I'll use again, I'm going to always use my situation as an example for you. When I call the police on my son, every single person said, why did you call the police? Every I, there's no person that didn't say, you know, besides authorities and professionals who were like, you know, good job. You know, but everybody else, every single person was like, why did you call even his? So my, even my son's father, he was like, why did you call the police on him? You know, thinking that we have other ways to handle this and we don't, we do not have, there is, it is not optional for you to call the police and understand too, that you not calling the police is also a crime. So you can't know of sexual abuse, whether it's your child or anybody else's child and not report it to authorities and, and think that, you know, that it's okay. It's not okay. So for me, it was just a matter of right and wrong. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a matter of right and wrong. Both were my children. I love both the same, but at the end of the day, Patrick was wrong and how I love Patrick to death. He was wrong, like period, point blank. At the end of the day, you're wrong. Yes, I understand that you have been molested. At this time, I did not even know that Patrick had been molested. Had no clue at all. He hadn't revealed that part yet. Um, and so I didn't know. So I made my decision just based off right and wrong. You made a decision. You made a choice. And even after I found out that Patrick was, was molested, I still didn't feel guilty for calling the police. And let me tell you why, because had I not called the police on my son, had I not did that, 
no one in my family would have gotten help. And what would be worse is that my child would eventually become an adult and that it doesn't go away. Just because you don't tell doesn't mean it goes away. Just because everyone knows and you still haven't done anything about it doesn't mean that it goes away. You Predators, period. They're creative. You know, they even children, even child predators, they're creative, just like adult predators. They're creative. Yeah. So like if you have a lot going on right then, you know, of course, they're not going to, you know, want to do anything. They're not going to want to. But they they find ways to groom other kids in order for it to happen again. So you have to understand that most child abusers, like child predators, most of the time they've been molested. I didn't learn all of this until after this happened in my home. So once I learned that Patrick had been molested and the next thing is too, most of the time child predator, child, children um, who are molested or who, who are raped, it is rarely a stranger. It is rarely, rarely a stranger. Nine times out of 10, it is someone in their family uh, or someone very close to the family with children most of the time it's another child or an older teenager or something like that, um, that, that it happens with your cousin, your brother, your, you know, it happens so often, you know, and, and with boys, it's rarely, rarely reported. Usually boys cases are reported because a, a child, I mean, a teacher in a school thought something or something along that line because parents never want to admit it or, or bring it out. And the cycle continues. It continues. It goes from generation to generation to generation to generation, which is exactly what happened in my family. Every single person in it, there was a person in or or two or three in every single generation, all the way down to my children that it happened through. It was a history, a generation, generational curse. It was a history of abuse of the same type of sexual abuse all the way down to the children. And so Unless someone is courageous enough and brave enough to say, no, this is not happening. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I have to be, you know, may, I hope maybe you're the person in your family that can say, you know, uh-uh, let me let me say something. Let me bring this out, because I'm going to tell you, that's the only way to stop that thing. The only way to stop it is to talk about it. We have to start talking about it. If we don't talk about it, it's going to continue. And these children deserve to feel safe. Okay. So again, so you have to think about other possible victims. Um, er, the next thing is every adult should know. Every adult in the family should know. Why, Nakaya? I'm already, I don't want to see most of the time we don't tell other people as the parent, we don't tell other people not to protect the child. Usually we don't tell to protect ourselves. It's usually just to protect our face because we feel shame because we're embarrassed because we don't want anyone to know. And, and I, and I feel you, I completely feel you, but I want you to know that here's the thing about letting every other adult know who's in your family or who's around you. See, when you do that, First, you don't know if it has happened to any other child in your family. That's the first thing. Okay, point. Let me, let me, let me, talking point, because I said I was going to talk about this. What I mean by that is, for example, when I caught my son molesting my other son, 
and I called the police and the police came and they took him um, over to the juvenile facility. What they do is when a child does that, they go into a juvenile facility and they get what's called a psyche valve. Um, and so when they do the psyche valve, part of the psyche valve is the psychiatrist observing uh, the child who has done, who has committed the offense. So immediately, immediately they knew that, that my son who had molested my older, my older son, I mean, my younger son, um, they knew immediately that this child had been molested. Now, how did they know that? And I didn't know that as a parent because they're professionals. This is what they do. This is their job. This is what, you know, they do. And so they looked at him and they were like, you know, he, he had classic signs and, you know, signs that, that were right in my face. But I just, I didn't know, like I had no clue. I, I didn't know that his isolation and, and, uh, his, his wanting to play with younger kids and not maturing, like he didn't mature and things of that such, um, also like him reverting and wet in the bed, you know, sometimes and, and things of that such, like I had no clue him not being able to make eye contact. And I learned that, you know, it's not that he can't make eye contact it's just, he's, he avoids eye contact. You know, I didn't know that those things, not eating his appetite and his hygiene being very, very bad, not wanting to shower, not wanting to brush his teeth, um, any of that, you know, staying in the same clothes, wearing the same clothes over and over again, just not caring about his appearance or, or anything like that. Like I, and, and believe, and I'm a parent who actually reached out for counseling for their child. Like I reached out for counseling for Patrick thinking that, you know, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And I thought, you know, cause kids have like a different set of peer pressure than we had when we were growing up, like my generation, I'm 38, by the way. So in my generation, you know, it was a little different. And so I'm like, well, maybe he's going through something I don't know about, you know, let me get a counselor involved. So I had him go to a counselor and we all chopped it up to puberty. We thought that it was just a puberty thing and had no clue, like had no clue that he had been molested. And so once my son revealed that he had been molested, Boom. Let me tell you what happened. So this is the good thing about telling every other adult. So once I, um, my son revealed that he was molested and who molested him, right when I said something to my parents about what had happened, because I'm distraught. So you got to understand, like I find this out and I'm like, oh my God. And my son's like, he reveals that one of his cousins had molested him. And so one of his cousins had molested him. It wasn't a secret. You know, not only had one of his cousins molested him, one of his other cousins knew about it. And then it became like the little joke, you know, and everybody would, would tease the other, you know, cousin about, oh, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay. Remember what you did to Patrick? Remember what you did to Patrick? So not only have you been molested, but now I'm being taunted about it. And now I, I internalized this for six years. I don't tell anyone. I, you know, I just completely, my son told me, you know, after it happened, he said, mommy, sixth grade was the worst time of my life. He said, I can't, so many times I wanted to kill myself. So many times I, you know, there was like no reason to live, no reason to everything. He said the thoughts, I replayed it in my mind over and over and over and over again. And what happens is when they start now, this child has internalized all of this and they start acting on it. Right. But I will tell you, as soon as I told 
my parents, what had happened, you know, to, to stay on this point for a second, I want you guys to understand this. That is when I found out that the same person who had molested my son had also had molested my niece, also had another inappropriate sexual relation with another cousin on the, on the, on the other side of his family, you know, but I didn't know that until I actually told that, Hey, you know, this is who molested Patrick. Like Patrick has revealed this, like, this is what has happened. And then my mother, um, was like, yeah, there was an incident with this same kid, you know, with another person on the other side of the family. And then my stepmother was like, yeah, he molested my niece same person. And so the reason that, you know, it's important that you tell is because you don't know how many other victims they are. And more importantly, now here's the, here's the, you know, let's hit the, 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 the nail on the head with something else. Not only are there other victims, you now have to find out what happened to your child. So it's important about that. Kids don't wake up wanting to molest other kids. So even I learned, you know, later what this was, you know, like why children start molesting younger siblings and things of that such once they've been molested. So the medical term for that is called sexual reactive behavior. Thank you, Krishonda Washington, for telling me that. (laughs) So it's called sexual uh, reactive behavior. And what happens is this child has been stimulated very young. So they look for that stimulation. They can't control it. It's behavioral. They don't understand what has happened to them. So they haven't processed what has happened to them and they're just acting out. And so here's the problem when you don't tell. When you don't tell, now this child doesn't get help. They just internalize it and they start acting it out on other kids. Now, if you don't stop it once they start acting it out on other kids. Hear me very well, parents. They start to enjoy it. The thing that they hated, that they despise happening to them, they start enjoying it. They start enjoying the abuse and now they become predators. You see, you know, I like to use the example of the doctor, uh, who was it, Dr. Lasser, uh, who molested all the gymnasts. And, you know, I think about this, this, this gentleman, you know, and he molested all of these gymnasts, but this is an adult who was, who was molested or abused as a child. So, so I, I always use him as an example because this is an example. You don't want that to be your child. You don't want that to be your child because now look that he was so intelligent and so smart. This kid, he, cause I'm ta- I'm thinking of him as a kid right now, even though he's adult and thank God he's locked up the rest of his life, but I'm going to take him back to a kid because they, a lot of times they don't progress past that point. So he's smart enough and intelligent enough to become a doctor. He becomes a doctor and now he has full access to all these children. And he has not been treated for his abuse. And then he starts abusing. And now he starts abusing. And now it's like he's like a kid in a candy store. All these gymnasts are coming in there. He's a doctor. He has full access. They become very tricky. They groom them. You know, there's there's something called grooming. You want to look that up. It's where they where they they ease children into being comfortable with them. So they have access to molesting them or raping them. So you don't want that to be your child, 
You know, you really you don't want that to be your child, which is the other reason why it's so important that you tell. Now, the treatment is a must to stop the behavior by professionals. Okay. So I'm going down each one of my talking points. So you guys just bear with me. So the treatment. So a lot of times I hear parents say, well, I took them to church or the family got together and talked to them or an older person in the family got and talked to them. And, and all those things are good. Don't get me wrong, because I'm going to tell you the power of, you know, going to church and prayer and being, you know, and, and that part, because it, it was definitely key in my healing process. But what I will tell you is that those children need professional help. Not only do the children need professional help, you too, as the parent, you have to get help. You have to get help because it is a very, and trust me, I know, and I'm talking to you from a parent who knows I live with it every single day. I understand the mental, the mental anguish that you go through thinking about either your child being molested or your child molesting someone else or both. I I completely, completely understand. I completely understand that some days you wake up and you may sit in the same spot for two and three hours because you, and you don't even know it. You're just, your thoughts are just racing and this is just going through your head. You have to get help. You have to get help. You have to get help. I can't, you know, I can't stress that enough. You have to get help. The next thing is surrounding yourself by positive people and people who can help you, you know? So that's why I say church or, you know, definitely to me, I think church and spirituality comes uh, in because you need that. You you don't want to isolate yourself. If you start isolating yourself, then that's when that horrible spirit of depression kicks in and it attaches to you. And I don't want to get off topic um, because I'm going to address mental health too on the podcast as well. But that I'm going to tell you, I didn't suffer from depression until after this happened with my children. And now I live with chronic depression, but I'm going to tell you something too. You can speak that thing off of you and you can handle that. You know, I'm not saying that it's going to completely go away. I'm not saying that you're not going to have your moments, but I will tell you that with treatment, with God, with family, with support, you know, it is very, you can live with it and you don't have to, you don't have to suffer in silence. But if you don't say anything, and you sit there and you, you know, allow it to consume you. That's exactly what it will do. And it will get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And there are clinical therapists who are set up just for you, parents, adults who are going through this, their children who are going through this. Um, and you have some therapists who specialize with in pediatric, and then you have therapists who specialize with adults. So you want to make sure that you get yourself um, therapy. It may be necessary. Um, also, I always tell people, oh, yeah, let me touch on this, too, because a lot of times when sexual abuse happens within the home, um, there are also other siblings in the home who you think it may not affect, but it does. So uh, let me go back into my situation. So I have three children. Um, my oldest son is now 22. My middle son uh, is now 17 at the time he was younger. And my youngest son is nine. Um, The incident uh, in my home happened between my now 17-year-old, 17-year-old and nine-year-old. And my 22-year-old, who is now, well, who is now 22, 
um, was not involved in it. But let me tell you what it did. So a lot of times I think we think because the sibling who's not directly involved um, is not affected, but mentally it affects everybody. And every single last person in my family, when I say my family, I mean myself, my 22 year old, my 17 year old and my nine year old, we all are in active counseling right now. Some form of counseling, like we are all addressing this issue. I want you to understand how important it is to see a professional. It is important for you to understand because see, I want you first, I want you to grasp that it's okay to be broken. It's okay to hurt. This is not supposed to feel good. You're going through probably the worst thing that could probably happen in your entire life. You are going to hurt. You are going to cry. It is okay for you to throw things. It is okay for you to feel like your whole entire world is crushing down. You do not have to be strong. You know, sometimes I think we get so caught up in, I have to be strong for everybody else. I want to act like this thing is not affecting me. I'm too afraid. I'm too prideful to say that I'm broken and I'm hurt. But I am here to tell you that I did not start healing until I admitted that I was broken. Like I completely, completely, completely fell apart. Like I am being so open and vulnerable with you right now. Like I completely fell apart and I fell to my knees and I cried and I screamed and I cried out to God. I cried out to him because I didn't have nobody else to cry out to. I had no family support. I had no one around me who could help me. Me and my children were on an island by ourselves going through complete and utter hell. Not one pastor reached out. Not one person from a church reached out, not one person from the family, not one person from no real support system at all. And I'm here to tell you that sometimes God will put you in a position where you don't have any choice but to acknowledge that he is God. And that's exactly where I got. I got to the point like I'm going to tell you, he allowed me. He allowed me. I'm not going to give the devil no credit in this. I feel like he allowed me to get broken to that point. So that I was completely broken and completely empty. So now he can use me. Sometimes we like to, you know, get healed up first and then go to him. But that's not the way we need to do it. Like, I don't think anyway. I think I'm going to be honest with you. I think me being completely, completely broken rock bottom, having nothing else to lose and going to him like that humility, that humility is what, you know, allowed me to start healing. It allowed me, that was the thing that, you know, allowed me to be able to get, you know, to bring my story out and to be able to talk about it, to be able to, you know, that is what allowed me to do that. So, you know, I wanted, I wanted to address that as well. And then, so make sure everyone is getting a treatment, even the siblings who may not have anything to do with it. You know what I mean? You want to make sure that they're getting counseling because they're affected too. Like I'll tell you, like my oldest son, he felt so guilty because I'm the older brother, right? How don't I know that? How do I, how do I not know, you know, like what's going on? What, what did I do wrong? You know, was I too tough on my, brother? like my oldest son, he, you know, he, he went through a whole, a whole process of, you know, what did I do or what, what didn't I do or what could I have done to make this better? And in this process, I'll tell you that him and my middle son have become so close, 
You know, like everybody is learning each other. Therapy is allowing everybody to open up. Like there is no secrets. We have a rule, no secrets in this family. We don't keep any secrets in my household. If there's a secret that's going to help, that's going to hurt somebody, uh, uh-uh, we do not hold it. That thing is coming out. I don't care how, how much it hurts anyone, how much it affects anyone. That thing is coming out. No secrets. Secrets are nothing but hidden pain. That's it. So, you know, stop that thing about not telling stuff, you know, inside of your house, let that thing out. And so a change. And the next thing I want to let you guys know, too, that sometimes a change of environment is necessary. Um, I will tell you, I uprooted my entire life, um, my entire life. So after it happened and my son, uh, we got my son placed in a treatment plan. My oldest son, uh, uh, is in college and he's living his life and doing his thing and you know what what he needs to do and it was just me and my son Alex uh, my youngest son and I said you know what it because it happened in my household um we were going through therapy when I because I was in Atlanta when it happened and I now live in South Florida um I live in uh in a city uh a little a little city called Vero Beach, Florida, which is originally where I'm from. I'm actually from this little town called Gifford, Florida, but I live uh, in the city of it, which is Vero Beach. And um, what happened was I said, you know, let me let me just completely change environments because the uh, incident happened in my home. Even though we were getting therapy, Alex and I were going back to the same home over and over again. And it wasn't, it was like, okay, we go, we go to therapy. I'm finally able to get out the bed. And now I got to walk and see the bedroom. Alex didn't want to be in the bedroom. He went, he was clingy. He was right up under me. And I was like, you know what? And we came to Florida to visit my father for his birthday uh, last year. And we were at the beach and Alex was like, mommy, can we move to Florida? And I was like, you know what? Yeah. And so, and that's exactly what we did. Um, we went back home to Atlanta and um, we moved to Florida. And so we are uh, in Florida now. I spend most of the year here in Florida and then the other part uh, in Atlanta. But um yeah, that's what we did. Sometimes a change of environment is necessary um, in order to heal. And another thing um, I want you guys to know, too, is the behavioral health part of it, like your counseling and stuff that goes through your health department. Um, so make sure you're reaching out to the behavioral health uh, part of your uh, health department and the number uh, that you want in order to report someone. Um, if you suspect child abuse or, you know, if it's abuse in your home or or, or, or a friend, teachers, if there's a student, um, they know how to do it. But that number is one 800 for a child Again, that's 1-800-422-4453. So that's the number for it. But um, I just want you guys to, I wanted to come to you guys and make this educational uh, and make it, and make it a tool for healing, you know? So again, to my parents uh, who have children who have been victims or who have victimized, the one thing that we all have in common um, is that there is a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of healing that has to take place, but that cannot happen. um, If we do not first break the silence on it, you have to report it. You have to report it. You have to get your children help. You have to get your child help you have to get yourself help in order to uh, move forward. You know, again, I'll tell you parents, it is not your fault. If you did not molest your kids, 
It is not your fault. Don't let anyone make you think that it's your fault. I don't care if your child did it or if your child is the victim. It is still neither one is your fault. And you have to understand that. You have to understand that. And it's so important that you go and get help in order to um, in order to move forward. So um, with that being said, guys, um, I am at the end of this segment. We are uh, actually 45 minutes into it. Um, I'm sorry I didn't bring the other one. I'll do. I was actually doing a question and answer uh, segment for uh, the video that I had released about what happened to my kids. But we've, I think we've kind of, you know, went over it with this, uh, with this segment. Um, so if you have any questions, any concerns for me, uh, you're welcome to, uh, send me a message. You're welcome to, uh, send me a message either through the podcast or on the Facebook page. I hope you're following the Facebook page. Um, it's called the glass house uh, shattering the silence. So I hope you guys have liked that page. So like that page, follow that page, share that page. And with the podcast, you're actually able to not only listen through anchor. I'm so proud about this. You're also, uh, able to listen through Apple, uh, podcast, radio, uh, podcast. Um, they have also picked it up as well. That information is being shared on, uh, my Facebook page as well. And for the parents who have children who are victims or you have, or you have a child who has victimized, um, and I want you to understand it's for everyone. So, but again, and I did that because I'm a parent of both. So I understand, you know, both sides. And the one thing about it is we have to heal. Healing is a must. If we don't heal, our children don't heal. And then the generations past us do not heal. And this spirit is allowed to go from generation to generation. So I I would love for everybody to join in this fight uh, to to break the silence against uh, child molestation and rape and, and kill this thing. So our children can have a future that is that is without child sexual abuse, you know, without child sexual abuse. Um, also, so if you are a, again, if you are a parent who has a child that is a victim, um, or a child that has victimized, um, you can also join the healing pack. That is a parent support group that I run. Um, it's called the healing pack and that's, um, healing, uh, parents after child molestation. So I, I welcome you. I welcome you. I welcome you. I don't care who it is. If you're listening to this podcast and you know someone, um, who may need support in that, uh, and, and want to join that group that that's a public group. Uh, if you actually go through the glass house, Facebook page, um, if you go to join us, um, the blue button, if you click it, it'll take you to the group and you're uh, welcome to join it. Um, and, and come on and, and don't feel shame. Don't feel embarrassed because remember that everybody in the group, uh, is just like you. So don't, don't feel bad. It's the whole reason that I created that group, because I promise you there was no group at all that I could go to where parents actually understood what I was going through. Like that was the hardest thing, even though I could get therapy and my son could get therapy and, you know, everybody could get help therapy wise. Like I felt like there was nobody who could relate to me because no groups were formed, neither in Atlanta or in Florida. So that is why, um, I created the, uh, the healing pack, um, after I spoke with some of the therapists and psychiatrists over at Treasure Coast Community Health. So if you're in the Florida area, if you're in Indian River County, Treasure Coast Community Health is an awesome, awesome go-to, um, in order to, uh, get yourself started, um, 
on on the healing part of it and for the parents you too it is so important for the parents because if you are a mess and you are wrecked and you are damaged and you are broken then your children will be too you know so you want to make sure because you can't help anybody if you're not together you got to make sure that you are together you got to make sure that you are are full if you're not full you don't have anything to give you're just emptying yourself out. So make sure you go and you get help. Um, so I go ahead and reach out to that. I will come back to you guys again on next Monday, um, at 8 PM. So you guys will get another segment uh, from me next Monday at 8 PM. Um, share your comments, share your thoughts. I thank you for joining the glass house this evening. You guys have a great night, a great night. Be dope.